Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I was watching that episode of Friends recently where Rachel like gives a performance review for her assistant and she like is going on and on about his like teeny tiny tushy and then accidentally gets submitted. And I was like, I would probably word for word give the same performance review for Henry Cavill in The Witcher and his <laughs> teeny tiny tushy. I don't think he has a tiny teeny. Well, no, she. it's a badonkadonk, but I would still yeah. give it a, a you know, a very nice review. review. Yes. Very nice, very nice performance review. Same Z's. Hello and welcome to the Fangirls Podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julie, and we are so excited to dish and spill the tea with you today. So we just had Christmas. That was yesterday. We are recording the day after Christmas. Christmas was fun. My kids, but they don't really rip open the presents. I kind of try to be a little more organized. We do stockings and we have breakfast and then we do gifts because like everyone likes to drag it out for as long as possible. Like some kids just love to like rip and tear things apart and like go through it really quickly. But I didn't really grow up like that but I kind of like it. You're like savoring the moment, making it last for a really long time. And you know, most people are like, oh, are you guys done opening presents? I'm like, oh no, we're just starting because we just finished breakfast and, you know, friends and family are like, how do you, how do you do that? We just do. Food's more important. (laughs) Yeah. Food is more important, but it just like makes it last longer, you know? So how was your day on Christmas? It was wonderful. I didn't do a damn thing except more podcast stuff that I was really excited about for 2022. (laughs) So I was very excited. The dogs made out like bandits in the Christmas department. So we were all very happy. Love it. I know we have a lot of exciting stuff coming up. We can't say everything yet. We did get our first sponsorship and that's exciting. And you guys will be hearing about that in a few weeks. But yeah, and our Etsy stores like taking off and things are things are going well and our birthdays are coming up. So that's going to be fun. Yes. We're very appreciative of the support with our Etsy store, which helps keep our podcast up and running. Yes. Birthday season is upon us and we've got some exciting stuff in store. So stay tuned folks. Yeah. There'll be some fun photo shoots happening and T will be drunk on that day. Is that yeah. Say that tea will be, yeah. Tea will be sipped, probably and... spilled. <laughs> yeah. And so today we are talking about the Witcher season two. So if you guys remember, we had an episode on the Witcher earlier this year and we kind of went over what was going to happen in season two or book two. What's the name of book two? The blood of elves. Yes. Kind of went over that. And so now we are getting into what has actually happened because we've binged this so hard. Like it was our job because it is. I'm excited to talk about it. But you went to you went to like a screening, right? A virtual screening. I was able to attend a virtual screening of The Witcher season two. I don't know how I just have this random dumb luck when it comes to all things The Witcher. But this Love is it. the second time this just magically shows up in my feed every time The Witcher premiere or virtual screening is happening. What all I had to do was fill out a questionnaire. There was a question on it that said, if you could ask Henry Cavill any question that's related to The Witcher, what would it be? And I submitted it, the questionnaire, 24 hours before the premiere. Mm-hmm. they sent me a link and said, do not share this. This is privileged <laughs> from Netflix. What? I, yeah, no, it was top secret. Only a few thousand people worldwide 
got to attend this virtual screening. So we got to see, I know it was so great. It was so great. We got to see the first episode three days before the season launched. That's insane, Julie. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was a really cool Q and a with Josh Horowitz and Henry Cavill. And Josh was asking Henry all these great questions related to season two. And it was, it was great. Uh, You get to see Henry very much in his element, nerding out with Josh. And I was actually really surprised how candid he was with about the fandom. He went on. Henry Cavill was candid. Yeah, very candid. It felt very genuine. He started talking about how he actively reads Reddit forums to get the feedback from the fans. I love Uh, him. Yeah, it's really hard not to. (laughs) I know. (laughs) He has so many things going for him. I know. It's not just in the looks department. He went on to say he was a fan first of the book series. Yeah. And the video games. He takes the role very seriously. He did not want to give too much away of what to look forward to, but he he highlighted that there were a lot of new monsters to look forward to. He was very, I want to say generous, but he was very kind with the way he praised the visual effects team. The way he got into character was he would listen to the Witcher, the Witcher 3 audio, like the soundtrack from the video game. Oh, to get into character. Interesting. Okay. And I wish I could like just be a fly on the wall when that's happening. Right. Like, can you imagine just stopping. like being in his trailer and he's like listening to it and then repeating it and like looking at himself in the mirror and I'd be like, this is everything right, right now. <laughs> See, I would have it on. I mean, I would imagine it would be on as he's getting hair and makeup done. Oh, you know, yes. Putting in the yellow contacts and, you know, then the wig. But, you know, you just psych yourself up because I mean, I, I have. I should have, I should have kept being a hairstylist that could have been me in there putting his right on. <laughs> then right. I would have been the fly on the wall. Right. Yeah. And as some of you guys know, Henry had a hamstring injury on set and Poor production. Boo. I know he was limited with working on set and production was halted for about six weeks, give or take. Oh my gosh. That's a long time. It is. It is. And then you throw in the wrench of COVID that his whole crew was actively working with. I do remember somebody being recasted. I want to say, I think it was Lambert or Novellan. One of the two were recasted because this was at the very beginning of COVID. So he's having to work with all these new COVID protocols. The whole cast is to make this season happen. Yeah. With the hamstring injury, he went on to say like how important it is to actively listen to your body because he had restrictions and he constantly kept getting asked, you know, Hey, can you work another hour? Hey, can you do this? He wanted to say yes multiple times, but he had to think long-term of, I could really do some damage if I fully tear it. And I have to think what this is going to do for my career. So he took a step back and that's why it took so long to get us season two. You know, he kind of took ownership. He was like, I'm sorry, it took so long, but it's here. (laughs) Things happened, but we're very happy with the season. So, and it was worth the wait. Yes, definitely. It was worth the wait. Yeah. He also said that he really wanted to stay as true to the books as possible. So yeah, I've heard him talk about saying that he wanted to stay as true to book Geralt as possible in more than one interview. I've heard him say that. All right. On to casting. We have Henry Cavill as Geralt of Rivia, Freya Allen as Ciri, Anya Sharlatra as Yennefer, Mimi Nidwini as Frangilla, Eamon Farron as Cahir, Mayanna Burrain as Tissaia, Wilson Mbomio as Dara, Anna Schaefer as 
Triss, Joey Beatty as the Askir, Royce Pearson as Istred, Meshia Simpson as Francesca, Graham McTavish as Dijkstra, and Chris Fulton as Reince. So here's the part of the show where we spill the tea. This is your spoiler alert for The Witcher season two. We're getting into it. Okay, so this season was jam-packed with action and storylines. So I'm going to give a bit of an abstract synopsis of what happened in this season. Okay, Geralt learns that teenagers are angsty. Yennefer becomes a fugitive. Yaskir deals with having a bad wig. Lots and lots of creepy monsters get stabbed. Lady Danbury lights a bunch of candles. Roach dies. An elf baby is murdered. Dougal McKenzie talks to his pet owl. Siri screams at people. And Yennefer and Geralt learn to co-parent. So that is my summary. Yeah, that's my synopsis on The Witcher season two. But okay, but in all seriousness, I really did love seeing Geralt and Ciri's relationship develop because they had all of one scene together in season one. And I remember saying in our last Witcher episode how excited I was to see him in this fatherly role. And that did not disappoint in this season. And even though there were like still times where Geralt was not fully accepting that Siri was now his daughter for all intents and purposes. He did fully accept that, you know, she was his to protect. Yes. Okay. Spoil it, girl. There were in our previous episode on the Witcher, and I want to say maybe 7% of season two was related to the book. 7%? Where did yeah. you come? That's a great percentage. Where did that come from? <laughs> Just based on everything I've read in the second book, there was so much that they did not stick to. Yeah. In terms of book storylines, mm-hmm. which maybe they're setting up for season three. I understand that you can only cover so much in a season, but knowing how Henry Cavill wants to stay true to the books, this was kind of a bummer. I see why they went in a different direction as far as altering storylines, because the 7% that I'm talking about, as far as what they did cover, those storylines were massively altered. So Yennefer never lost her magic. Um, yeah, I thought her story arc was interesting because, you know, after the Battle of Sodden Hill, she ended it by using fire magic, which mm-hmm. in turn caused her to lose her magic. And then she began like this healing journey of finding herself and hopefully finding her chaos slash magic again. This was a much softer side of Yennefer. She was very guarded in the last season. However, I did love when when Yennefer and Geralt found each other again and you could see that love between them. But that's really interesting that you said that she didn't lose her magic at all. At all. In the second book, maybe that happens in the third or maybe they refer to it in the third book as like she had lost it for a while. Maybe she talks to him. I do remember when you were telling me about that letter yes. and he's like, my dear friend. And they did kind of do a nod to that in the they show did. Yes. when Siri walks in on them kissing and he's like, this is my dear friend, Jennifer. And she's like, dear friend, huh? Yeah. Like, that's what I am to you. And I don't that's... do the things that I, with my dear friends that I do with you. Right. I'm expecting that to come and bite Geralt in the butt in season three, that letter scene that takes place in, in book two, I'm expecting to happen in season three because it didn't happen in season two. I think that that's all we're going to get is that oh, nod to it I hope because not. they've already reunited. They have, I mean, because they were apart for a really long time, mm-hmm. according to the books. 
and they can't really, I mean, they were, they weren't together for like half the season. Right. And then they see each other in the book. Um, her storyline is so minimal. It's like 5% of Jennifer is included in the book. So when you see Jennifer's story expand in season two of the show, I was, I was intrigued. I was like, how, where are they going to go with this? You know, she, she has a very minimal part, like the, the scene with Yaskir being tortured. Mm -hmm. There was that segment. There was the letter segment and there's a tiny segment at the end where she and Siri unite and she takes Siri to a different school to learn about magic. And it's okay. completely different. So I understand why they expanded on the Yennefer storyline to be more inclusive because Francesca and Frangilla and Tissaia also did not have a storyline in the second book whatsoever. They just ran with it and were more inclusive with women and stronger storylines that included women. So I can't help but think that that probably played a role in it, but they did a great job with yeah. it. Well, I know, I remember you saying that Tris, she did come, you know, and help Siri out when she realized that the witchers were like, you're like, you are not really advocating for her or teaching mm -hmm. her properly. And she did come in and do that. And, and she made that play for Geralt. Like we are all her in that moment. Like we can't help it. And that's we got to so... make a play for you. Exactly. And here's the thing. Tris had a bigger storyline in the second book than Yennefer did. She was about 45% of the book. That's crazy. Yeah, I was really counting or hoping that they would show the backstory behind Tristan Geralt. And, and there was a lot of sexy time missing from this season that was in the book. Yeah, I mean, they did hint at them kind of having a history. He, They made it seem like that was somewhere he was never going to go. He wasn't going to ever go there. Like it wasn't, you got more of a feeling that like they had a history, but maybe it was friendship. And maybe she was always pining after him, but maybe it wasn't necessarily, you know, a romantic relationship in the past. I don't know. He was very respectful of her and he I was, like, was he was which very is great but show. would he really be like that is his is that really the real Geralt in the books no and here's the thing there's a lot more sexy time in the books not just with Triss but with um other individuals and he wants to be true to the books I'm like I wouldn't mind you being more true to the books in that regard but that's <laughs> just me okay right so the Dijkstra storyline was lightly touched on in season two, but mm -hmm. Dijkstra had a, a bigger storyline. And I can't help but think like maybe that was because Graham McTavish's schedule is packed at the moment. Yeah. I feel like he barely had a storyline. Like I get at the end where, you know, okay. So um, Yaskier seems to be doing really well, despite having a very ugly wig. He has his own tavern. He's singing every night. So at first it seems like this is due to his own success, but he really has this benefactor who is Dijkstra, AKA Graham McTavish who's like a spy master. And in the finale, we see that Dijkstra is ready for like Yeskier's debt to be paid, which he says to his owl lady friend. So perhaps season three, he'll have a bigger role. But yeah, the focus was definitely on, you know, Geralt and Yennefer coming back together and like kind of creating this pseudo family with Siri. Mm -hmm. You know, that was, that's how I felt like it was mostly focused on that and everything else was kind of a side issue. I mean, Kara Morin had a, a bigger storyline. I would say Kara Morin was 25% of the book as far as a plot location. Mm -hmm. And it was in season two, all you saw was Kermorin for the most part. Yeah. You didn't see the trek with the dwarves to the elven community. You didn't hear about the 
you know, elven armies that were regrouping really. And that was a big part of the book too, that I was counting on. They did on. show it, uh, not the really regrouping of the armies, but you see like the elven community and, you know, the elven baby being born and then killed. And you, you see a little bit of that you're given like, it, but it's just, it feels like a side plot, Yeah, you know? Yeah. I mean, and maybe it's just starting to simmer. Right. right? Versus the huge storyline that the book was. It's called Blood of Elves. And yeah, I mean, it didn't happen. So again, maybe they're just setting up season three, but they didn't touch on series power either. They just know that she is powerful. They didn't reveal what her power is. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see where it goes. So remember series like BFF Dara, the elf. Yeah. Cute little elf guy. Mm-hmm. Um, well now he's like tall and like grown up. Do, what is their storyline? Do we know what's happening with them? Do Dara they meet again? Dara wasn't in the second book at all at all i wonder did you read the first book or no no i just so i wonder where one. he is or because she does have like elder blood like she is part elf so i wonder mm-hmm. if like that will end up being like who she ends up with or what happens with that because they show him all throughout but he doesn't really have a huge part right you know he's just listening and kind of watching and waiting and you know but he knows like she's alive and well and he i wonder if he's will come and play a bigger part in her life later. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm curious. I'm going to jump into book three here soon once I'm done with bees. Yeah, and then you can <laughs> tell me all the things. Right. In the first book or the first season, when Dooney is still Mr. Porcupine guy, mm-hmm. how come, did he end up winning the throne of Nilfgaard or was he always like in line for the throne of Nilfgaard? He was always in line for the throne of Nilfgaard. He was cursed by a mage. Was that mentioned in that scene? No, and that's the thing. That's what I think they're going to reveal in season three. Dooney's reveal came way too soon. Way too soon. When they kept hyping up the white flame, and I was like, this isn't supposed to happen yet. What's going on here? Interesting. Okay. And they just kept, you know, going on and on and hyping up the white flame. And I was like, they're not going to reveal it. That's that's definitely like a book three type of reveal. In season one, we only got a fraction of Dooney's backstory. And there's a lot more that they're going to introduce hopefully in season three as to why Dooney is Dooney and or the white flame. Okay. Interesting. So maybe that's why they were showing so clearly the fantasy when the deathless mother was showing her that like mind fantasy of her parents mm-hmm. being alive. You really, cause I f- completely forgot what Dooney looked like other than when he was a porcupine. Right. So they were giving us that reminder of like, Hey, this is what her dad looks like. He looks like just like this. So at the end, you're like, oh, that's the dad. Yes. And if you notice in that scene with her mom and her dad, her mom was the one vanishing away. Her dad wasn't. He was still, I think that's the way that they subliminally messaged us that he was still alive. He wasn't vanishing in her subconscious. So I'm wondering if in that original like feast scene, when we first meet Dooney, if when he was revealed, everybody knew who he was, they just didn't tell us. Do you think well, they all knew? So Pafetta, did she know she was in love with the you know next emperor of Nilfgaard? No, I don't think so. Because in the books, he enacted the law of surprise before Pavetta was born. Dooney did with Pavetta's dad. So Dooney is way older than we think. You know, with that in mind, he played the victim. It was like, I'm just, you know, I think he said it like a farmer. Yeah. Or played the victim of... I'm just a humble farmer type of individual who enacted the law of surprise on your husband when I saved his life. Pavetta's dad did not know his backstory. My guess is because he was already covered as a porcupine at that point. 
and he so wasn't he had recognizable. been cursed for years. I wonder yeah. what he did to be cursed. There is a story. Basically, Dooney's dad pissed off a mage, and that mage took his action out on Dooney. So his dad was overthrown. Okay. And then he would never be recognized for who he is and not right. be able to reclaim his throne. Okay. That makes exactly. sense. But yeah, so that reveal, I was very surprised. It came as soon as it did. But you knew it was coming. Did that happen in book two? Um, no, it did not. I knew okay. that when I was researching the Reince storyline, I was wondering who Reince was looking for, thinking it was Dooney because Dooney kept coming up a lot. And I was like, wait, but Dooney's dead. What's going on here? And that's what made me find out what happened. To tap on the Reince storyline, I was very happy with how they did touch on his storyline. It was altered, but they covered it. Mm-hmm. They showed they showed the burn on his face, the massive burn. And I was very impressed with how they tied that into Yennefer's storyline because in the books, she has her powers and she gave him a nasty burn with, with her powers in the book. On the show, as we know, she lost her power. Reince was using his fire magic and she spit alcohol into his face, which caused the burn. So it was an interesting tie, but now he's been officially marked by Yennefer. Like, I'm surprised they didn't reveal this before they revealed the Dooney. Flame. Yeah. Is he working for the White Flame? Is no. everybody working for the White Flame? Who yeah. is he working for? He's on the council of all the head mages. Okay, you know? so he's working with mages then. Yes. Like okay. Tissaia and, and so forth. Interesting. So keep in mind, there's a big reveal coming up, hopefully in season three. Reince right now is the big bad to look out for. And his boss... Well, like in the books, his boss doesn't even get revealed to like before. So I was a little bummed that Yennefer betrayed Geralt when she was trying to sacrifice Ciri to the Deathless Mother so she'd get her magic back. So I'm gathering because she didn't lose her magic that this didn't actually happen. Did she betray Geralt in any way, shape or form? No. In the books? Mm -mm. They weren't even together. They didn't reunite at all. Geralt went... At, towards the end of the book, Siri and Yennefer get together and Yennefer takes Siri to another magical school to go get educated on all things magical. Because you remember me saying in the previous Witcher episode, Triss expresses to Geralt that, hey, you need a stronger mage to help protect Siri and get her educated mm-hmm. on all these things. That mage being Yennefer. So when Yennefer took Siri and their storyline was just bizarre to me. I was like, oh, this doesn't add up at all. Like, let alone the deathless mother, you know, Frangilla and Francesca. But I think it was my my thought process on it was it's more female-led stories and being inclusive within Netflix's culture to have these storylines match up. The storyline with Yennefer and trying to kill Siri never happened in the book. Yeah, it did not seem in line with Yennefer's character because she wants so much to be a mother. And you mm-hmm. see that scene where she's like burying that baby that died. And like, she, right. She wants to, that is the one thing that she wants in life is to be a mom. Mm-hmm. And then she's like presented with this child, you know, which again, Siri does not look like a child anymore, which was kind of distracting. She looks like a full grown woman, but anyway, I know it's been years since they filmed, <laughs> but that's besides the point. So then she's put in this situation where she's going to sacrifice a child Right. It's also the love of her life's child of surprise like that. I'm like, that is not something she would have done. Right. She would not have done that. 
And yeah, she did change her mind at the last minute, but it did, it seemed bizarre to me. Not only is this your, you know, the love of your life's child basically, but also she's magical and you could teach her and you could mother her and care for her. It just did not seem like this was not going to happen. No. So that part I was wondering about, like that really happened. Cause I can't see that happening. No, not at all. And then Geralt says like, I don't, he doesn't forgive her, but he's willing basically to, you know, kind of co-parent, I guess you can call it so that Yennefer can continue to teach Siri to use her powers. Mm-hmm. But with that kind of surprise ending, it'll be interesting to see where they take season three. Also the monolith storyline wasn't a thing. Maybe not yet. Let me put it this way. It wasn't a storyline in book two. Yeah. Perhaps if it'll be a storyline in, in season three and book three, like these monoliths bringing in other, other monsters. You know, she's calling forth these other monsters. Like how creepy were the monsters in this season? Whoa. Yes. And creep factor was up there. That was the other thing. There was a very dominant monster in book two, like the river monster Mm -hmm. that you just definitely don't want to cross paths with. And it wasn't highlighted at all in season two. You see him go in the river, but then it's like a flying monster. I'm like, is it a river monster or a flying monster? I was confused. This thing looked like the nastiest bug. It was just gross. It did not get any attention whatsoever, but also Dijkstra was in that storyline. So Hmm. knowing that Dijkstra's storyline was limited in season two, I'm really hoping that they segue into it in season three. It's very interesting to me how, you know, when you're adapting a book to a show and then you have like constraints as far as like production or casting or timelines or what can actually be done, how you can fit it all together to make a cohesive mm-hmm. story. Because what is it, 10 episodes? Yeah. That doesn't give you a lot of time to, to show everything. And if you do, it could possibly make the viewing experience not seem as cohesive because like every story arc has to have, you know, beginning, middle and end. So they have to decide what to keep in, what to put out. Does this make sense here? Or is this going to take it off in a different direction? We'll be, be able to tie this up at the end if we start it here. Like there's probably so much that goes in to it. That, right. Right. You know, and budget and everything and else. Yeah. yeah. I was actually really surprised how Tris was portrayed in the book versus on screen, especially when she was both in the book and on screen. She was a very big advocate for Siri. And when Siri was having her episodes in the book mm-hmm. and Tris jumped into her subconscious to try and figure out like what she's actually going through and whatnot. In the show, they show that. But when Tris comes out of Siri's subconscious, she's terrified of Siri. She says, this is exactly what we need to fear. She is the problem. And oh, wow. okay. yeah, versus in the book, it's, hey, you need a stronger mage and you need to get Siri some help on how to control her magic and was very much more proactive in helping Siri versus terrified of her on the show. So that was just like an interesting take. And I was like, why did they go this route? This was this was a much better storyline in the book. And it's not to say that I thoroughly enjoyed season two, but this season two or book two had great storylines to actively work with. So yeah. it was it was just interesting. That um, is interesting. Was the deathless mother even a thing in book no. two? No. That didn't exist? No. Okay. So, and while Siri prophesizes death or a lot of death in her visions when she has those episodes she ends up killing or her 
Siri gets possessed by the deathless mother and ends up, you know, killing a lot of witchers, but that doesn't even highlight what's to come down, you know, what's coming down the pipe later on. So none of those witchers really got killed then? No. The only thing that Siri was prophesizing was Cohen's death and Cohen was alive and well by the end of season two. Okay. Yeah. So they just went, they just altered a bunch of storylines for whatever reason. I'm sure there was logic and I'm sure a lot of thought went into it. I'm just curious as to what that thought was. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to hear them shed light on this subject and, and go from there. Do you have a favorite part of season two or a favorite episode? I really liked when they were at Naniki's sanctuary, like that okay. safe place for everyone. Right. And when they were all reunited. So then they were finally all together, Geralt, Siri, and Yennefer, and they sit down to have tea and they're like talking about unicorns. Mm-hmm. And so I was reading that that was kind of a nod to, first of all, there was some sexy time on a unicorn between Yennefer and Geralt. So she kind of gives them this eye of like, oh yeah, unicorns exist. Or I had a stuffed one and I broke it. Mm-hmm. But then also Siri later in one of the books, like she can travel between worlds on this unicorn, on a unicorn. So unicorns do in fact exist in the Witcher universe. Yeah, that I would, if elves exist, I'm going to say unicorns exist too. Yeah. So I I thought that was interesting, but I liked seeing them all together. I liked seeing Siri with she didn't have parents. Now she kind of has parents. Yennefer Mm -hmm. didn't have a child. Now she kind of has a child. Geralt didn't think that like family and happiness was for him. And he's kind of, you can see that this, all these things that they want and desire and maybe aren't speaking about is finally coming to fruition between the three of them. And I really liked seeing that. What about you? I was actually really impressed with all the monsters that they did bring out. Yeah. I was still holding out hope for the river monster. Mm Mm-hmm whose name I can't pronounce because it's it's in Polish and I'm just not that coordinated or Polish. Yeah. Or Polish for that matter. But I was actually impressed with how they integrated new monsters into it. And they were all nasty looking. They're exactly what nightmares are filled with Mm -hmm. and or made of. Um, Yeah. Like that one who her head turned back around and then kept moving when she got stabbed. Oh Oh, gosh. I'm so glad that hasn't entered my dreams. (laughs) Right. That was bad. Yeah. Man. Shout out to the visual effects team for bringing all the monsters to season two of The Witcher. Yeah. And haunting our subconscious for life. We appreciate it. (laughs) It's great. And now it is time for the Fangirl Spotlight of the Week. The Fangirls podcast has an SG shop with a variety of original custom made fandom inspired artwork in digital download form. With designs inspired by Outlander, Bridgerton, Harry Potter, Marvel, and more, you are sure to find the perfect design to represent your favorite fandom. We are offering 10% off our Etsy store with the code FANGIRL. The link to our store and all the info will be in our show notes. Visit our website to see all that the Fangirls are up to. Look out for a new blog post every month of the Fangirls' favorite things. Fangirls Podcast is brought to you by Believe Podcast Network, and we want to take a moment to thank you for tuning into our podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so that we can reach more people. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear all of our latest episodes. We love hearing from our listeners, so give us a follow on Instagram at the Fangirls Podcast and Twitter at the underscore fan underscore girls, and like our community page on Facebook to join the conversation. See you next time. See you next time. We here at the Fangirls Podcast are not affiliated with the following. Netflix or The Witcher. Just really big fans. Big fans. Really big fans. <laughs>
of Henry Cavill. So much. Anna's Tush. So much. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.